Hey guys, if you're interested in checking out a video version of the show, please visit the Low Key Geek channel on YouTube. There you can not only catch the video version of the podcast, but you can also check out my other projects and short form video that I produce. You can find a link in the description. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, it's the end of the week and we made it! And I'm here to ask the question, do we really need a twin sequel? The Hawkeye trailer got me really super pumped for the holidays. Hulu introduces Why the Last Man in Season 2 of Wu-Tang! Wu-Tang! And what is the deal with the Met Gala? All that and Tom and Jerry, let me know in the comments who your favorite character is. It's a Talking Talk Pod Showcast coming at ya now! going on ladies and lads it is another episode episode four of the talking talk pod show cast your weekly unofficial pop culture podcast show where i talk about the big topics from this week i am your gracious host renee z uh, happy to be back with you for another week and another episode here hope all of you had a great week and you are all gearing up to relax this weekend um, it's been, you know, for the most part, at least in movie news, kind of uneventful, but certain things came about that I would love to discuss with you guys. And of course, as always, I encourage you and uh, invite you to share your feedback and your post your comments in the comment section. If you are new to the channel or you just happen to be swinging on by and saying, what the hell is this podcast thing about? Thank you for joining in and thank you for listening. As always, the best way to show your support if you like what you see and hear is to hit that like button and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already on YouTube. If you are listening on your podcast platform of choice, you know, throw, throw a fellow a follow. Um, and if you're on iTunes, uh, make sure to leave a nice rating for your boy right here. Um, just wanted to get all that stuff out of the way as always and for those of you who are returning once again I appreciate all the support and something I mentioned in the last episode too I know there are quite a few of you who watch and listen and I never hear from you so I just want to let you know that I appreciate all of you as well uh, you don't always have to say anything but Hopefully, I am bringing you some form of entertainment, and that's why you have chosen to subscribe, watch, listen, like, and do all those nice things. So, the week started off kind of interesting. Um, again, I have to remind myself of my age and, uh, you know, wondering how relevant the VMAs are. Um, I know the Video Music Awards that are on MTV aired on Sunday. Uh, again, I'm sure you've heard several people talk about this already, but how is this award show even relevant these days? Uh, I, I wonder. I mean, you have a cable channel that no longer airs music videos um, and a generation who probably knows MTV only for the reality shows and what have you. I mean, I can't even tell you the last time I went on MTV to watch anything. 
So I, every year I always forget that they still do this program. And when I heard about it, I was like, wow, really? I am shocked that they still have that. And I'm shocked that people still talk about it. And again, reminding myself of how disconnected I am with the music these days. 95% of the people I heard that were involved in this show, I had knew nothing about. I don't know anyone. You know, all I saw on Twitter that fascinated me was Doja Cat was wearing a chair on her head or something. Um, but yeah, it, it is really fascinating how a program like that can still survive in this day and age. And then Monday rolls around and we get hit with another event that, you know, happens every year here in New York. And I'll start off by saying this. I have two bucket list items on my uh, entertainment category uh, list that I would love to, before I kick the bucket, somehow find my way into them or find my way attached or involved in some capacity. One, I would love to attend the Oscars one year. I mean, to be there just with the Hollywood elite if I can't attend the ceremony, at least allow me to crash the after party. Um, I think it would be fascinating, especially since I am such a movie buff. Um, for me, that would be a pinnacle in my uh, love of Hollywood movies and what have you. And number two, just for morbid curiosity, it is to attend the Met Gala. The Met Gala is this fascinating event that outlets like Vogue and People cover because celebrities of all walks show up in these really fancy doodads um, that designers purposely uh, hook them up with so that they can get recognition and what have you. But this year in particular, I just could not peel my eyes away from all the photos because some of the costumes and outfits were outrageous really really outrageous and for the longest time I don't know why it took me so long to even look into it but I never really understood what the purpose of the Met Gala was so I decided to finally look it up and I know it's so easy I could have looked this up years ago or what have you but for some of you who may not be aware um, of what the Met Gala is um, here is a brief explanation the Met Gala, formerly called the Costume Institute Gala or the Costume Institute Benefit um, and also known as the Met Ball. So when I was growing up, I used to hear it referred to as the Met Ball. Uh, it's an annual fundraising gala for the benefit of the Metropolitan Museum of Arts Costume Institute in New York City. Um, and usually this is what kicks off um, the annual fashion exhibit that they have there. And if you've ever had a chance to be in New York and go to the Met uh, to check out any of their costume exhibit, exhibits, um, they're really fascinating. And some of them, sometimes they have a lot of themed exhibits. So I remember going there several times, checking out um, popular outfits from musicians, um, popular outfits from certain movies or you know, eras um, in history. Uh, they do a really good job at really um, curating these exhibits and it's really fascinating to see such a, outfits that you may have seen celebrities wear 
in your favorite movie or performers uh, wearing them in concerts or special performances or what have you. Um, to dive deeper in as to who's involved or how do people get to attend, um, first of all, you have to be invited. And then once you're invited, if you want to go and partake, you have to pay $30,000 for your ticket. $30,000. Now, of course, a lot of celebrities will attend because this is a great tax write-off for them, right? But then, if you want to peacock around, you could hook yourself up with a fashion designer, whether it's Versace, Gucci, you know, Vera Wang, or, you know, all these other ones, or even independent fashion designers who just want to put their names out there, um, you know, and then you will be photographed to death. And I believe there's a cocktail portion of the gala. And there is also, I believe, food, you know, served at such event. But that is pretty much the gist of it. And like I said, some of the costumes that were featured this year were outrageous. And someone on Twitter um, said it best where it's basically the Hollywood elites Comic-Con. Because some of the outfits look like they're trying to be some form of... Uh, superhero character, anime character, uh, movie character, what have you. Um, the one that really stood out the most and I thought was extremely ridiculous is Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian shows up in an all black cover up, you know, where basically she's covered head to toe and she has a long trail uh, train behind her and she literally looks like. A, you know, some creature from Silent Hill. Um, I don't know what the costume is really supposed to represent. I know there is a meaning behind it. Uh, maybe it's supposed to represent her uh, years with Kanye West or what have you, but um, it just looked really eerie and spooky. And um, yeah, I was just like, what's the deal with that nonsense? I mean, it's, you know, and then um, AOC showed up with her Tax the Rich um, outfit, which I thought was pretty smart. Uh, looks like she was taking a page out of Cruella, um, the movie with Emma Stone that debuted this year. Um, but going to that, with such a movie that really focused a lot on these outlandish outfits and um, dresses, I'm a real, I'm a little disappointed that no one had some of that flair that Cruella had or Emma Stone had in that movie. I mean, you know, why can't someone show up in a garbage truck and then just unflail their outfit in front of people or, you know, take a, a match and then light themselves up on fire and then all of a sudden it dissolves into another kind of costume, you know? Like, where is the creativity there? I mean, have we not gotten to that point yet? Um, I know, call me crazy, you know, uh, you don't want to have a fire hazard walking into such an event, but... Come on, guys, for next year, let's step it up a notch. You know what? If you are willing to invite me to such an event, I will do something crazy like that. Whatever it takes, you know, just to say, hey, look at me. I finally made it to the Met Gala. It could scratch that off of my bucket list. Um, and uh, hopefully I won't burn myself to death or what have you. But um, as I'm speaking, um, if you're watching on YouTube, I will flash some photos of some of the more outrageous outfits, including Kim Kardashian's. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some who look really fabulous. I mean, look really elegant and, you know, look really, really well put together. Uh, Simu Liu, um, the star of um, uh, Shang-Chi, 
looked uh, amazing in his white uh, suit there. Um, and some other people really looked really fascinating. But we're not focusing on the good-looking people. We're focusing on the absurd. And I hope you enjoy some of those images there. Now, for you audio listeners, uh, I know you won't be able to get to see any of this. But if you feel like hopping onto the YouTube channel and checking out this portion of the show, you could see some of those um, costumes yourself or just go to Vogue. Vogue.com has a huge listing and photo gallery of all the celebrities and all of their outfits that they wore. And believe me, you will not be disappointed with what you see. Um, and you would probably get a good kick out of things um, there. So, but like I mentioned at the top uh, before the show started, and as the thumbnail dictated, and probably what the title is going to say, um, the Hawkeye trailer debuted earlier this week. And, you know, I saw some uh, negative feedback on Twitter and some YouTubers who were saying that they were kind of underwhelmed with this trailer. Um, I'm excited. I'm super, super excited. One, because, okay, maybe I'm a little biased. Look, Hawkeye is one of my favorite Marvel characters um, out there. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of you are wondering why. Well, for the most part, he's an everyday guy, you know, and I, I kind of root for the underdogs like that, especially when you have a chance to team up with the likes of Thor and Iron Man and uh, Captain Marvel or what have you. But I have a thing for archery. You know, if you look at some of the characters that I really uh, are fond, fond of in pop culture and um uh, fantasy literature or superheroes or what have you um, there's a common theme you know I am a huge fan of Legolas from the Lord of the Rings um, Hunger Games I thought was really fascinating because you know uh, Katniss there is really great with a bow and arrow um, and then you have Hawkeye um, and oh, in the DC world I'm a huge Green Arrow fan. You know, when the TV, the CW show Green Arrow came out, I was all over it. And I, I watched at least the first four or five seasons before it became really ridiculous to watch for me. Uh, but Hawkeye, you know, he has a plethora of arrows that can do so many different things. And it plays out really well in the comic books. You know, I mean, you could you know, run with your imagination as to what he can do with his arrows and all that. And then when he finally appeared in live action form uh, in the MCU, I was super excited, but also a little disappointed because I did feel like he was very underused. Um, but that's understandable because, one, he doesn't have these extreme superpowers. You know, he can't Hulk out like the Hulk does. Um, and he's not super genius like Tony Stark and he doesn't have the super soldier serum in him like Captain America does you know but still he holds his own and he he serves a purpose and there's a reason why Nick Fury always wants him by his side right along with Natasha Black Widow who also doesn't have you know super extreme powers or what have you but she's very good at hand to hand combat and you know she's very good at espionage and all that so I've always been waiting for a moment where uh, Clint Barton can really shine. And we are finally getting a show dedicated to Hawkeye and Kate Bishop, who is also a, a main character from the comics. And 
If you've read um, some of the more recent uh, comics for Hawkeye, you would come across the series, um, the run by Matt Fraction, uh, Hawkeye series. Uh, I believe um, his first run was called My Life as a Weapon. And the one thing I really loved about this run was that it felt and played out more like a Bond movie. Um, and you really got to see more of uh, Hawkeye and how he handles what he has to handle and all that. And then you get to also learn more about Kate Bishop, who later on joins joins alongside it with him. So when I saw the trailer, it looks like it they are kind of sticking to, to that, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, it threw a lot of people off because of the cheerfulness and the, the comedy that was really displayed and they're really playing hard on um, you know the fun and enjoyment that this series could hold um, with the whole holiday theme there um, it does really ring a, b- a lot like uh, Die Hard or True Lies you know you, it looks like you have Clint who is uh, trying to one, figure out who Kate Bishop is and helping her out and what have you while still lying to his family as to his whereabouts um, as they're running around New York City. So um, I think this is going to be a fun series. Um, And let's face it, this will be the fifth Marvel show on Disney Plus for this year. Um, You had WandaVision, then you had Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Um, then you had Loki, um, What If, and then Hawkeye. It looks like that's what's going to close out the year for the Disney Plus shows. Um, and each one of them had their purpose and had their brilliant moments. And uh, I think it's safe to say that a lot of people really have enjoyed a lot of these series and shows so far. Um, so I don't think this will be any different from that. It's just going to be, it, it is definitely going to be a little different, I think, from. Uh, all the shows because each show in particular had their own theme right Uh, you know WandaVision um, I think started the whole speculation bubble uh, water cooler talk and what have you and it dealt a lot with the mysticism of Wanda and you know the Nexus and what have you like that then you had Falcon and the Winter Soldier which later on because became Captain America and Winter Soldier that played more like a you know, a spy thriller, espionage kind of buddy cop thing, uh, which played really out really well. Then you had Loki, which I kind of call like the Euro sci-fi Doctor Who-like show, um, which was really fascinating and played out also really well. Then you have What If, who's it's just a series of um, stories and shorts that kind of play along the multiverse that Loki introduced us to and it's animated so it's its own different realm and then now you have Hawkeye I don't know where they're gonna really go with this um, or how the feel of the show is gonna be like but I'm I'm all in for it I'm really really excited so I can't wait for that to go down and check it out and I'm pretty sure a lot of you are gonna uh, change your tunes um, if you felt uh, underwhelmed by the trailer and what you saw and I think this show will be quite enjoyable for a lot of you out there so but speaking of trailers um, we were also blessed with the latest trailer um, for Nightmare Alley uh, it's a new movie by Guillermo del Toro who I am a huge fan of and he probably has one of the best houses ever 
uh, if you ever seen pictures of his house, it's like a freak museum or a museum of mystical uh, doodads or what have you. But he is a director. He is probably one of the best visual directors out there today. Um, his creativity and what he can put on screen and on paper um, with his writing and, and what have you um, can't be denied. I mean, he is really, really blessed with that creativity. I was a huge fan of Shape of Water that came out and won the Oscars that year. Um, I've been a fan of all his movies, you know, Pacific Rim, the Hellboy series and what have you, Pan's Labyrinth, even though that movie was freaking nutty and most of the time you don't really know what the hell is going on but you can't deny the fact that visually it was a very stunning movie um now this movie it looks like it takes place at a circus or carnival it kind of reminds me of christopher nolan's prestige in a way the look of it um but it stars Bradley Cooper, Rooney Mara, uh, Tony Collette, uh, Kate Blanchett, and William Dafoe. And it looks like William Dafoe is the the leader or the the main person within this circus. And Bradley Cooper is like a newcomer. And there seems to be a lot of mystery as to Bradley Cooper's character and how it plays out as he joins his group. I don't know if they're carnies or what have you in in this circus, but it looks like a giant casting of like uh awkward uh hollywood celebrities um and it looks like they're gonna shine really well in this movie so they didn't give you a lot um i think a lot of people including myself after watching the trailer we we're confused more than anything but again i have to say it visually it looks stunning um so i'm really looking forward to that and we're getting it in december so we don't have to wait that long for it so um, I'm really, really excited to check out that movie and see what it's all about because um, now that September, we are... Can you believe that we're already through the halfway mark of September? Um, once we really get into October, it starts the whole um, Oscar movie uh, releases. So everyone that's vying for an Oscar position, uh, we're going to see a lot of these movies starting to come out. Um, so... I don't know if this is going to fall within the same category as Shape of Water for him, but I think visually and at least for um, special visual effects, this could be a contender in that. But who knows? If the movie turns out to be really fascinating, it could end up being another uh, Best Picture nomination for Del Toro there. So very interested and excited to see what that has to be all about there. So uh, let me know if you guys checked it out and... Um, you know, you could comment in the comment section as to what your thoughts are there. Sticking in the movie world, we have Christopher Nolan um, striking a huge, huge, massive deal with Universal. Now, it's no stranger that if you follow the, the space of um, Hollywood and blockbuster movies and just movies in general... You know, Christopher Nolan um, was, I don't know if you would call him the evil villain uh, last year as the pandemic started uh, and was really um, the cause of a lot of things being shut down, including movie theaters. But, you know, he had a movie tenant that he was 
adamant about releasing in theaters only and kind of strong arming Warner Brothers to uh, have them stick to their guns and only release it in in theaters. Um, A lot of people were getting really annoyed, including myself, as to, you know, why is he pushing this so hard? You know, does he not care about the audience and the safety of the audience out there just so he could display his genius on screen and make his money and what have you. Um, And, you know, it looks like because of all those events that transpired last year, um, he had kind of a falling out with Warner Brothers. And now he's signed an exclusive deal with Universal for his next movie and for future deals. And this could change the landscape for a lot of things moving forward if it works out in his benefit. Now, the details of the of the deal, even though some sources were reporting different things, I think the general gist of it here is that um, basically, uh, I believe the deal uh, includes 100% total creative control of all of his films, um, a guaranteed budget of $100 million, in, plus $100 million in marketing. Um, budget. So that means $200 million will be attached to every film that he makes moving forward. 20% off first dollar gross. So that means all the initial uh, box office returns, he will get 20% of all of that. Um, plus, Universal can't release any other movies for three weeks before or after his movie releases in theaters. So he pretty much owns the Universal slots for whenever his movies gonna come out for a good month, uh, month and change, month and a half. Plus, his movies can only play in theaters exclusively, exclusively for a hundred days, and possibly more before it is allowed to go onto streaming platforms. Now, Universal, they do release a lot of their movies on Peacock. Um, and, uh, you know, like we've seen what they've done with Quiet Place 2 and what is being reported about uh, Halloween, the next Halloween uh, iteration there. So they do release their movies after a certain window has expired onto their streaming platform there. So, look, you got to give it to Nolan for creating a deal that is so catered to him and what he wants there. Um, like I said, if this works out, Again, we don't know what the state of the world is going to look like next year, the year after. You know, theaters and cinemas have not fully recovered to, you know, the heights of 2019 and prior. Um, You know, we've seen glimpse of hope every now and then, um, especially during this past summer. Um, And who knows, maybe things will get better during the holidays because we have a lot of big ticket movies coming out like Spider-Man, The Eternals, um, Dune. So we'll see how that transpires and all that. But huge, huge deal with Christopher Nolan. And I can't hate the guy for, you know, getting Universal to agree with this. You know, Universal is a studio that claims to be probably the second biggest uh, studio house uh, under Warner Brothers as far as theatrical releases are concerned. Um, I believe there was one weekend or two weekends in a row 
uh, this past summer where it was all universal films for the top five, you know, so um, I'm not surprised. And then again, I don't know how this is also going to affect Warner Brothers because it's been well documented that after this year, Warner Brothers is changing their movie release strategy and they will not do day and date release of uh, theater and HBO Max. So um, it's going to be really, really interesting to see here. But, you know, again, massive deal. And if this works out, I don't know if um, other directors will follow suit with, you know, securing themselves these kinds of deals moving forward. Is it going to alienate? Christopher Nolan from the rest of Hollywood and audiences in general because of these strong arm tactics. But, you know, you if you look at how Disney um, handles their movie business and uh, their relationships with theaters, it's not that any different from what Disney does. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. Um, because of the pandemic, um, Disney had to kind of... Um, restructure their release schedules and we've seen it during the summer when Black Widow came out, Jungle Cruise, Mulan, um, you know, uh, I think Mulan was last year, but, um, you know, any Disney movie before Shang-Chi, they were releasing it both uh, in cinemas and on Disney Plus, but on Disney Plus, of course, you have to pay an additional $30 for it. Um, And theaters had no choice but to agree with that. Prior to the pandemic, uh, there have been reports that Disney has been strong arming a lot of mom and pop theater chains and, you know, putting these mandates out there. It's like if you want to carry our movies, you know, you can only carry our movie for the first two weeks before allowing a rotation of other studios to come in there. They were demanding more of the box office gross uh, revenue. Um uh, from these theater chains, and of course, like your AMC's, your Regals, they can always, you know, take that, you know, that hit because, you know, they have multiplexes and more uh, locations, and you know, they have uh, the ability to show more movies and what have you. So, if Disney were asking to dedicate their movies to a certain amount of screens, they could easily do that. But for a mom and pop who maybe has two screens or maybe one that can really hurt their overall intake because to run just one movie for two weeks, three weeks on your one screen or your two screens and not allow any other studio film to be played can really hurt, you know, these type of um, establishments. Um, And then I found out recently in um, other countries like Japan, for example, because they were doing the same strategy for Japan as well, um, they uh, got into kind of a a disagreement with Toho Cinemas. Toho Cinemas is one of the biggest theater uh, chains in Japan. Um, And I would consider them to be kind of like the AMC over there. Um, And, you know, Toho did not want Disney movies to be played on their streaming service at the same time as releasing it in cinemas. So what they did is just they um, agreed not to carry any more Disney movies. And so if you are a resident and living in Japan right now and you wanted to watch the latest Disney film, you'd had to go to a smaller chain, which is usually a a mom and pop or like maybe a third or fourth tier movie theater chain out there who they need people to come and watch the movies at their establishment. They need people to come in. 
um, and support them. So they will bend over backwards for Disney because everyone knows that no matter what, people will go out and watch a Disney movie, you know, like Cruella and um, Jungle Cruise and, and all that stuff, the Marvel films, Star Wars, right? But for those who can't make it to the such theaters or who are loyal to Toho Cinemas, they will never be able to see a Disney movie there again. I don't know how long that's going to be, um, but it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen in the years to come. But what makes Christopher Nolan's deal with Universal any different than that, right? It's just now it's an individual director who is demanding such things. So really interesting stuff. Again, I, I would love to see what the backlash is going to be, if any. Um, but yeah, that was something that I found very fascinating this this week. Um, Denny Villeneuve, you could add him to the list of Marvel haters out there, um, along with the likes of Martin Scorsese. And he had some uh, very harsh words about Marvel movies and how they're all copy and paste and how you're, the audience who goes watch goes out there and watches their movies are zombies and we don't have a brain to think and all that kind of stuff. Uh, look, we can go on and on about Hollywood elite who don't understand or maybe they're not fans of Marvel films or comic book movies or what have you. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's tons of them out there. You know, there's actors who've spoken out about this stuff. But why don't we shift the focus on the reporter? Like, when are we going to stop asking directors about Marvel? Um, I'm pretty sure when a director has agreed to talk to a reporter, in this case, Denis Villeneuve, who's promoting Dune, right? And he has to promote it as much as possible because he is very passionate about this movie. He wants to make it a trilogy. A lot of people didn't show out, show up for Blade Runner 2049, even though it was in my opinion, a brilliantly done movie. Um, even uh, Arrival. I think more people showed up to watch Arrival because of word of mouth. Um, but he needs to heavily promote his film. I'm sure all he wants to do is really talk about his movie. So why is this reporter asking him about Marvel films? Or what? what is his thought on Marvel movies and Disney and what have you? And same thing with Martin Scorsese. How many times are reporters going to track him down? And one of the questions they're going to ask him is, Hey, Marty, tell me about your thoughts of Marvel. Like, come on. You know, you're going to expect them to, you know, play nice or to not get annoyed by getting uh, those type of questions thrown at them. You know, why don't we highlight these reporters who ask stupid questions? I've seen so many like junkets uh, on YouTube or I've read them in articles and some of these questions these reporters have are really stupid. They're just r ridiculous. You know, maybe we should start highlighting these reporters and uh, put a put a light on them for asking these dumb questions out there. Um, so what I look, I don't care. You know, I don't care what Denny has to say about Marvel. I like the Marvel movies. A lot of people out there like the Marvel movies. I like his movies. You know, like I said before, um, I had issues with Christopher Nolan and how he was handling his business last year. I still went out to watch Tenet. You know, me and two other guys, we rented a movie theater just for ourselves, just so we could watch Tenet in last summer. And, you know, we enjoyed it. 
you know, and I'm going to be looking forward to his other movies because his movies are way out there. And sometimes they really make you think. And, I mean, look at his his library of movies that he's already made. I mean, a lot of them are really, you know, fan favorites. Inception, you know, the, the Batman trilogy, you know, especially The Dark Knight. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Memento and, and The Prestige and, and, and movies like that. So, look, they're going to say what they're going to say because they're annoyed or they really have those strong opinions. But who cares? You know, everyone has likes what they like and everyone hates what they hate. So what? You know, reporters, stop asking stupid questions. That's that's my take on that. So what have you? Um, so in the category of do we really need it? It was reported this week that there's going to be a twin sequel starring starring Tracy Morgan. I don't know what the deal is with this. Look, so Twins was a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito uh, that came out in 1988, and it was uh, directed by Ivan Reitman. It was a comedy, of course, about two guys who found out that they were twins and of course the absurdity of the movie was that you had Arnold Schwarzenegger who's this hulking looking dude and Danny DeVito who's this little tiny man and it was funny you know and you could get away with that type of comedy in the 80s because the 80s was filled with um, you know some raunchy but also some very absurd you know humor and premises and all that and we loved it you know because that was the 80s you know those there was a time for that i don't know if a movie like this can work today and now it's reported that tracy morgan is going to be in this movie and the premise is that both schwarzenegger and devito find out that they have a third so they, they're part of a triplet and tracy morgan is that third um and Ivan Reitman looks like he's attached to direct this movie again too. So, and the name of the movie will be appropriately appropriately named Triplets. I don't know, man. I don't know if this is something we need. Um, knowing myself again with my morbid curiosity, I may check this out. But, oof. Yeah, is this something we really, really want to see? I don't know, but I thought that was really, really fascinating to to read. And it it started off a whole thing of things that I started seeing about reboots and what have you, because it was also reported this week that they're rebooting The Lost Boys. The Lost Boys is a you know cult favorite uh, vampire movie that came out also in the eighties. Um, you know, it starred a lot of uh, famous actors from that era. You know. Um, but now it looks like they're going to be re- rebooting it with uh, Noah Jupe. I-, I think it's pronounced Jupe or Jupe. I don't know. Let me know in the comments if I'm pronouncing it wrong. But that he's the the boy in uh, Quiet Place. He plays the son there of Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. And Jaden Martell, who is one of the young actors from um, the It movie franchise. So it looks like they're both going to be starring in this reboot. Um, it was uh, reported by The Hollywood Reporter. It's being written by Randy McKinnon and directed by Jonathan Entwistle. Um, McKinnon is currently working on the DC film Static Shock and Entwistle 
I hope I'm pronouncing that name right, is known for um, some of his streaming shows that uh, I am not okay with this and the end of the effing world. And he's also attached to a Power Rangers remake. Oh. Um, I mean, I have uh, fond memories of the original Lost Boys, um, especially because of Keith Kiefer Sutherland and, and um, you know, Corey Feldman, Jamie Gertz. Uh, again, it, it was another 80s movie that starred prominent 80s actors and there was a time and place for for these movies and you know if you're like myself and you grew up in the 80s um, we have fond memories of such movies and these are movies we could watch time and time again whether or not they hold up now I don't know how they're gonna make this reboot of Lost Boys are they gonna um, modernize it for a younger generation I'm sure they are um, but is it going to be like the Twilight series? You know, are we going to get ridiculous vampires in this? Um, I don't know. Um, it will. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm not looking forward to it. Um, but again, my morbid curiosity. If I see that first trailer, I might be. I might change my mind. We'll see. Um, and then lastly, in the do we really need it? Um, and as I brought up before, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, now Captain America, Anthony Mackie. Uh, it was reported that he is set to lead, and I believe produce as well, a Twisted Metal series. That franchise is a very well known for you video gamers out there. Um, it was a very popular video game franchise on the Sony PlayStation and PlayStation 2, and I believe they even had a, a version that came out on PlayStation 3. Um, and it looks like they have Dead, Deadpool writers uh, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick who will be penning the premise of the show. It sounds like they're looking for a 30-minute show, 30-minute uh, episodes um, for this series. Um, and uh, we have a premise here. So uh, let's see. It's supposed to be an action comedy. Um and let's see it's a it's supposed to be about a motor mouthed outsider offered a chance at a better life but only if he can successfully deliver a mysterious package across across a post-apocalyptic wasteland with the help of a trigger happy car thief he'll face savage marauders driving vehicles of destruction and other dangers of the open road including a deranged clown who drives in an all-too-familiar ice cream truck. Doe is a smart-ass milkman who talks as fast as he drives. With no memory of his past, he gets a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to make his wish of finding community come true, but only if he can survive an onslaught of savage vehicular combat. Now, Sony has been trying really hard to get a twisted metal series or movie going for a very long time um, but my question is why uh, for me it doesn't seem like it would make any sense the game itself if you remember was just carnage you know crashing cars into each other and shooting weapons out of your vehicles and it was like a battle royal you know it's one of the first true battle royals that you could play and have fun with your friends playing um i don't know if this is necessary to make any kind of show or movie out of um we saw what happened with need for speed 
that didn't really work out. Um, so yeah, I mean, Sony has a lot of IPs attached to their brand that would make sense, and they are already working on. I'm really excited to see how Last of Us, the HBO show, is going to turn out. Um, that's something that plays really well to that um, uh, platform. And then, you know, they also are working on an Uncharted movie with Tom Holland and Marky Mark Wahlberg, which could be interesting. Um, but yeah, Twisted Metal, I just don't, I don't see why there's such huge fascination in trying to get this off the ground there. But I mean, we'll see. Um, Anthony Mackie must have a lot of faith in this to attach himself to this this series. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but it's good to see that at least Anthony Mackie is getting more work out there because he, I think he is a great actor, great person, very funny guy um, for what I've seen. Um, so really interesting to see what happens there. Uh, lastly, on uh, kind of the rundown here before I talk about um, the main topic I wanted to discuss, um, so it was also announced, um, this is more on the business side of things, HBO Max is leaving Amazon channels. Um, so if you're familiar with how Amazon works, Amazon through Amazon you could sign up for additional channels like HBO Max, um, IMDb, uh, AMC Plus, um, and a lot of these other streaming platforms. If you just didn't want to go through a separate uh, app, you could just do everything through Amazon. Amazon carries it like a, as a channel. Um, and a lot of people actually utilize Amazon for this type of streaming service. So with HBO Max leaving, it, I think it was estimated that they were going to lose around 8 to 10 million viewers who were watching HBO Max on Amazon. So I'm pretty sure they're doing that on purpose to kind of separate themselves from Amazon Prime and the Prime business to kind of just be their own standalone. And if you wanted to see HBO Max, you could only go through the HBO Max app. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people would be, you know, kind of angry about this, right? Rightfully so. Um, but to kind of compensate and to um, uh, kind of um, offset the loss of the viewers that, you know, can't get HBO Max now on Amazon, they are welcoming those viewers and any new or um, subscribers that already canceled. Um, they're welcoming everyone back um, to try HBO Max again at 50% off its original price. Um, so basically, they're going to cut their price in half to $7.49 a month for six months. So starting from now, um, and I believe you can sign up uh, for the next week or two only. I think it's only until the end of September. If you sign up now for HBO Max, you could sign up for their special deal of $7.49, which I think is a really sweet deal. And hey, if you want to continue after six months, you can do so. And if not, go ahead and cancel. And But at least I think from now until the end of the year, this is a huge deal that any movie fan would uh, appreciate and should jump in on because like i mentioned before they do still have day and date release movies coming out so dune is coming out on hbo max 
and theaters. So you could watch Dune in December. Uh, today they release a new Clint Eastwood movie, Cry Macho. Um, you know, we had Malignant that came out last week. Um, and, you know, movies like The Suicide Squad also debuted on HBO Max. Um, and of course, HBO has a lot of great uh, TV programming as well. You know, everyone was going nuts of, over uh, Mayor of Easttown during the summer. You know, they have this really interesting Spike Lee documentary called Epicenter that I was able to watch. Um, if you wanted to watch something of that subject matter there. Um, and they have other shows that are um, scenes from a marriage that just started that I'm hearing pretty decent stuff about. So, and plus they have their backlog. If you wanted to watch The Many Saints of Newark that is coming out in October, which is the prequel to The Sopranos, but you've never had a chance to watch The Sopranos, you could watch all um, six and a half seasons of The Sopranos on HBO Max. You can watch The Wire. You can go back and watch all of that. You know, HBO offers a lot of great documentaries, um, a lot of great comedy specials, plus it has a lot of DC stuff there. So if you wanted to watch the Harley Quinn animated series, you could watch it there. They have a lot, you know, Zack Snyder's Justice League, you can watch that. Wonder Woman 84, all the DC movies, a lot of the DC programming like Doom Patrol and Teen Titans is there. A lot of Cartoon Network shows are watch, uh, you can watch there as well. So I think it's one of the better values right now that I encourage people who are just a little bit curious to jump in on as fast as they can. <laughs> I'm lucky that I have HBO Max because I'm using my mom's account because she is a subscriber to HBO. But if I didn't, what I would do is I would cancel my subscription and resubscribe at this new deal because uh, it is a good value. Um, so I thought this was interesting. I definitely wanted to talk about that with you guys. So guys, before I get into the big topic of the week, um, like I mentioned at the top of the show, um, this is your uh, the Talking Talk Pod Showcast. Um, it's a weekly uh, podcast that comes out every Friday slash Saturday, depending on tech issues or anything um, news, major news that breaks out on a Friday. But I'm going to try to aim more for a Friday release here, but you will get it every week. Um, you can watch it on YouTube and you could listen to it on your podcast platform of choice, um, primarily iTunes and Spotify. So if you haven't done so already, uh, do hit that like button and subscribe. Leave all your comments in the comment section. Um, I know on Spotify or at least Anchor, you could leave a voice message question. So I encourage you to do that. And on your on the podcast platforms, do uh, follow, uh, give a good rating if you're on iTunes. I would really, really appreciate it. Again, I enjoy doing these shows um, and having these type of discussions. Um, and I always look forward to um, having ca uh, conversations in the comment section with all of you guys. So, um, and also something um, that I wanted to mention. Um, if you're a New Yorker like myself, and if you're a basketball fan, uh, I am a huge fan of the New York Knicks, unfortunately. Um, and one of the shining moments um, that happened as a Knicks fan was hearing about the opening of Clyde's Wine and Dine, which is a restaurant uh, run and owned by Clyde Frazier, the very famous New York Knicks, um, one of the Knicks who actually won a championship for the city. Uh, but he opened up this 
basketball themed restaurant in Manhattan. And as a sports fan, and particularly as a New York Knicks fan, that's a great place to go to to watch the game. Um, you can see uh, variations of Clyde's uh, suits that he is very well known for. Um, he does show up on occasion and he says hi to everyone at their table. They hold fan events there. So I remember going to several fan events there where I get to I got to meet some of the players and I got to meet some of the Knicks City, City Dancers, which is uh, their version of cheerleaders. Uh, you get some prizes and some gifts. Um, they have a half court inside where you could actually shoot ball and play basketball and stuff, which is fascinating. Um, but also the food and desserts were phenomenal, really, really well done. Um, but they announced but um, earlier this week that because of the pandemic, they are no longer able to reopen and they have closed permanently. And it's kind of a sad uh, thing to hear any business uh, going out like that because of the events of the world and all that. And there's been a lot of other businesses that had to do the same thing. Um, but Clyde's Wine and Dine was definitely one of my favorites. Um, and I'm sure if you are a New Yorker, you may have heard of it, especially if you're a sports fan or a New York Knicks fan like myself. So I just want to give a quick shout out uh, for that establishment because I have a lot of great memories there. Um, and uh, I'm going to miss that place. So um, again, if you have a favorite establishment, whether it be a restaurant, a brick and mortar store, um, they need as much help as possible these days. So definitely, um, you know, show them your love by supporting them, you know, order food from every now and then, go visit their establishment, uh, show your patronage because they need people like you and I to keep them afloat as they're struggling with their business um, during this time. So, so yeah, so I just wanted to say, say that. But the main topic I wanted to really talk about here is Hulu uh, debuted uh, two shows, one that is returning, and one of them is Why the Last Man. Why the Last Man has been going around Hollywood trying to be pitched as either a movie or TV series for so long. At one point you had Joseph Gordon-Levitt attached to the, the project, but Hulu was able to secure, secure the rights and finally they were able to release the series. The first three episodes are now available on Hulu. So if you're not familiar with why the Last Man? Uh, Why the Last Man is a comic book series by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerrero. Uh, it came out over 20 years ago, about 20 years ago, uh, believe it or not. Um, and it, you know, tells about a story about uh, this crazy pandemic. Bear with me, because you're going to hear a lot of weird similarities to what we're going through now. But this crazy pandemic that wipes out all the males um, on earth, whether it be human males, animals, from uh, male animals, just all males in general, except for one, uh, Yurik. Yurik is the last man standing, so to speak, and his monkey ampersand. And basically it, it follows the story of them and the rest of the world now being run by uh, females. 
So very interesting premise and a very good, very well done comic book series. I highly recommend it to anyone who is looking to start reading something new out there. Um, so of course, I was really interested and excited to see how it was going to play out in live action. And I think it's better suited for a TV series because you, you, know, you have more freedom to talk about the story, to really flesh out the characters and, and what have you. So I watched the first three episodes and I am intrigued to continue uh, because from what, from what I've seen so far, um, it's uh, they're sticking pretty close to the comic book and from the original source material. The only thing that I will say is that I do feel the acting is a little rough. Now, the one main uh, actor slash actress that is part of the show right now is Diane Lane. I'm a huge fan of Diane Lane. She is one of the elite actresses out there. And she's doing a really great job. She plays the role of uh, Yorick's mom, who is a senator. And then she later on, at least from what we're seeing right now, um, takes over the presidency. And her main objective, and again, I'll, I'll try my best not to spoil too much here. Um, but obviously, she has two kids and she is assuming Yorick is dead and she's trying to look for her daughter. Um, instead, they find Yorick and then now they're trying to figure out how is it possible that he is the only one that survives. Um, the guy who plays Yorick, um, again, I'm not too familiar with a lot of these um, actors, but it's Ben Schnetzer who plays Yorick. And um, from what I remember in the comics, and I, I was having a discussion with one of my friends about this this week, um, he's kind of a dick. You know, he's not that really likable. And uh, it, it was really, really interesting to see it really play out on screen because even more so, I felt like he was very unlikable and very um, unhelpful. You know, like uh, he has a one-track mind. And one of the main plots of the comic book was that he's, you know, a down and out on his luck magician, and he proposes to his longtime girlfriend Beth, who did not agree uh, to marry him just yet. This whole thing happens, and the only thing he could think of is to try to find Beth doesn't matter what's happening in the rest of the world. That's all he could really think about. And the way it plays out on the show is pretty similar. And it's really hard to like this dude. It really is. At least right now. Again, I haven't read the series in like 20 years. So it, it's starting to come back to me little by little. Um, but yeah, it is really, really difficult to like this guy. Um, so... If it continues this way and if, if maybe I'll go back and I'll, I'll kind of, you know, go through the comic real quick. But if it continues this way um, and it sticks really closely to the source material, then kudos on Ben for portraying this character. But when I mentioned like things like the acting is kind of rough, 
The one actress I really have a problem with is Ashley Romans, who plays Agent 355. She just doesn't seem like a good actress. Um, again, I don't know what these people have done before. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of hard for me to get into a series when I see such bad acting. Um, but because I do like the story and I am a huge fan of the series, of the comic book series, I'm definitely going to give it a shot. However, I just don't want it to turn into another Walking Dead for me where I put so much dedication into a series because I just want to like it so much that I am then get stuck watching three seasons and not having this series go anywhere and disappointing me more than actually entertaining me. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But I've also seen a lot of um, comments on Twitter about how this show is playing on too much on current events and the current state of the world, you know. Like I said, bear with me about the similarities because, yes, it's true. There are a lot of similarities. Um, they talk about cancel culture. They talk about, um, you know, of course, they're going through a pandemic that wipes out a lot of things. There's a moment within the show where people are trying to storm the Capitol and the White House. Um, so people are just thinking that this show is playing on too much on world events but hey guys all this stuff was well established 20 years ago in the original comic book series and i think a lot of people just don't realize that that this story was way ahead of its time um and it is kind of funny how it is being released now when you know these things are really happening so to speak um, so it's just really, really interesting there. But the one thing I also did find interesting about the show and how it started was that each main female character in the show had some sort of moment with the opposite sex, whether it was a disagreement, um, a fond memory, um, something that they couldn't trust, um, something that they couldn't get past. Right, or trying to change the culture to um, there's this one character in the show that uh, she's trying to fight back against the Me Too movement and kind of put males more into focus and say let's stop trying to teach our men to not be men let's allow them to be men because that is what we want them to be and all that kind of stuff like that so it's interesting how every main female character had some uh, interaction, whether it be negative or positive, with opposite sex, and then all of a sudden take that out of the equation because all the males get wiped out of existence. Um, and then now, how are they going to move forward and um, live with that, right? And it kind of plays out a little bit like Lord of the Flies, so to speak, uh, if you remember that book. Um and how things play out. Um, but it's really, like I said, it's intriguing. And I'm really, really interested to check it out. And I really hope I didn't spoil a lot for you guys. But if I did, I apologize. But I think even with the things I've mentioned, it's still very well worth watching the show to see for yourself how these storylines are fleshed out and how they play out. And form your own opinion. And let me know what you think about it in the comments when you do. Um, because, again, I do find the show pretty fascinating. I just, I'm happy to see it actually finally coming out. Um, 
because like I said, I've been curious to see how this is going to play out. I'm a huge fan of the comics. And uh, so far, it looks like they're doing a good job. It also kind of reminds me of 12 Monkeys, which I really love. Um, if you remember that movie, 12 Monkeys, with Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt, that kind of talks about this weird apocalyptic event that also in included a pandemic, so to speak, and kind of had changed how society uh, carried on and all that. Uh, it kind of had that vibe f um, for me as well. So um, maybe that's also why I'm kind of digging it right now. So, so yeah, so that's why The Last Man. And then... We got season two of Wu-Tang, an American saga. Uh, Wu-Tang, uh, for those of you who know, um, Wu-Tang is a very prominent rap group that came out in the 90s. Um, and they pretty much um, spearheaded this uh, new movement of the big groups, right? The big rap groups, the big um, posse, so to speak. Um, and they kind of uh, revolutionized rap at the time. You know, a lot of hits. I mean, they, you know, some of the members grew up in Brooklyn and Staten Island. And of course, they are a New York product. So, of course, I, I was well aware of them and I was a huge fan of them. Um, last, uh, I don't even think it was last year, uh, two years ago, uh, Hulu released season one of Wu-Tang. And I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but my only gripe was that you really didn't get to the point where they really started working together in the studio. You really didn't see them uh, focus on the music. The series or that season focused a lot of all the individuals and their lives prior to everything. So a little bit, uh, not a little bit, but a lot of backstory of the um, various members of the Wu-Tang Clan. You know, everyone was going off of their real their street names at the time, you know, um, and then you got to see uh, we know him now as Riza, but at the time he was a Prince Rakim, you know, how he was the one who had a record deal and it was very rap poppy, you know, kind of thing. You kind of see him go through all that while everyone else was struggling with their own individual um, you know, trying to start their own career or trying to, you know, live their life or, you know, survive the streets and what have you. But with that said, it was very well done. And I, you know, I don't know how 100% accurate each of the storylines were, but at least it got me to look into more of the backstories of each of these members and understand a little bit more of them. Yeah. RZA, Method Man, they're all involved in this show. So I'm pretty sure majority of it is pretty accurate or close to as accurate as possible now once the first season ended we were never told about a second season in fact i thought it was canceled at one point because i really wanted them to continue the storyline and this you know once the pandemic started a lot of series were getting canceled some favorites like myself like Away on Netflix was canceled because of the pandemic, but we just never heard anything about further adventures of Wu-Tang and an American saga until like two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, all of a sudden, I saw news that season two of Wu-Tang dropped on Hulu and you can now watch it. And I was seeing promos the RZA was putting out there on Twitter and all that. I'm like, where did this come from? Like, I had no idea the second season was coming out. It was not marketed, at least not in the, the circles or channels that I was, you know, aware of or a part of. And it just dropped. So I was pleased. I was really, really happy. So right now, um, you have 
the first four episodes of season two available on Hulu. Um, every new episode is going to come out on Mondays. Why the Last Man, every episode is going to be dropping on Wednesdays. So I was able to watch all four episodes uh, this past week. And um, the first episode got me worried because the first episode was kind of more of the same from the first season. And I felt it was a departure of the grittiness of this first season as well because it was kind of weird. Um, they played a lot with t um, time where you were seeing events later on and then rewinding and then going back and forth. It, it just... I, I didn't really it didn't really gel that well with me. However, once I got past that first episode, episodes two, three, and four really hit it with me. And now we're getting to the stuff, the good stuff. We're getting now Riza. He wants to be really focused and serious about doing something more with his life instead of you know working the streets and music. He's gonna focus on music. You know, he is learning that he's going to have to be the leader to put all of these people together. Some of who, which are rivals, you know, from rival gangs, put this group together to just dominate the rap industry and create a super group, you know, a super rap group. And now you're starting to see the people come up with their names that we know them as, you know, Method Man. We see him writing the lyrics to his very well-known song, you know, Method Man. Um, you know, you see uh, uh, Rakim, no, not Rakim, sorry, Raekwon. Yeah, how he's starting to, to realize, like, you know, I need to... Uh, change my name to reflect what I, I believe in right now and what I'm trying to do with myself. Uh, inspect the deck. You could see like he's hanging out with freaking uh, Method Man there. Um, and then we get to see the revelation of Riza and why he chose the name Riza. And he's starting to really corral the, 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 the members together. And that's pretty much what happens and transpires in the fourth episode. Um, as he's trying to convince everyone that, you know, this is what we're going to have to do. We can't live our lives on the street and survive for much longer. If we're going to have to do something for ourselves and, you know, survive and benefit ourselves and our family, we're going to have to do this moving forward because we can do this. We can dominate. They talk about the West Coast rap scene, how Dre and Snoop and Ice Cube are like dominating and they're talking about their lives on the street and all that. And they're like, why, why can't we do this? The East Coast has stories to tell too and we are a part of that. So I'm really, really digging this, sh this second season so far right now. And I'm getting super excited because we're now going to start seeing the formation of Wu-Tang. And... You know, putting together their first album and, and putting their songs out there. And, and oh, I, I really cannot wait. If you are a fan of rap and hip hop, especially from the 90s, and if you are familiar at all with Wu-Tang, you got to watch this series. Uh, it's very well done, um, very well put together. You know, there was a Wu-Tang documentary that uh, Showtime released um, almost around the same time season one came out. And I have yet to check that out. Uh, I should probably go back and watch that because I'm such a huge fan and um, maybe that will let me know 
how well tied into real life the series has been uh, going and keeping to the stories there. So, so yeah, so that's Hulu's offerings there. Um, Hulu is releasing good stuff. Um, and it was it was actually nice to finally watch some TV. I've been watching so many movies lately. It's just it's nice to finally get a chance to catch up a little bit on some of these episodes um, for the new shows that are coming out. So, but before we end this week's show, uh, as always, every week I like to talk about the collectible of the week. The collectible of the week is where I highlight more than likely a high-end a collectible when it uh, involves pop culture whether it be an action figure statue um, prop or whatever it is and this week I am featuring one of my favorite companies out there is that's Hot Toys. Hot Toys if you're familiar they are the leaders of six scale um, posable figures they definitely fall along the lines of more of the high-end collectibles but they have a, a lot of IP properties that they work with. They do a lot of Star Wars figures. They do a lot of Marvel figures, uh, movie franchises and all that. And the new thing that they announced this week that I was extremely excited for was they are continuing their Back to the Future line that they kind of started a little while ago. And they're finally releasing six scale versions of Marty and Doc Brown. But in the Old West, as we've seen them in Back to the Future 3. And uh, as we're looking at Marty McFly here, um, he has his poncho and his hat and his trusty revolver. And it just looks so well done. I mean, it really looks like they captured um, the likeness from the movie. Uh, you know, Michael J. Fox in his best. He even has his uh, frisbee pie pan. Um, that you know was made famous in the movie but the details again the one great thing about Hot Toys that I love is the attention to detail and um, the, the cloth that they use for the clothing you know the fabric the, the intricate details of the face I mean it's just so well done and they're having them pose with the DeLorean that was kind of um, remade uh, to try to work during this era of um, the movie franchise. So I don't know if they're going to be planning to uh, release that version of the DeLorean. Um, they released a previous version of the original DeLorean uh, years ago. Um, so it'll be interesting if they do that. Let's look at Doc Brown right here. Doc Brown with his um, custom-made rifle with the super scope. Um, but again attention to detail the outfits um, the outfits that they wore during the dance the, the the reveal party of the clock tower which again is very very heavily tied to the all three movies but it's so well done I kind of wish the hair was more real but I, I don't um, ding any points from them uh, to, tr to make it more of like the the, the vinyl rubber plastic or what have you um, to kind of keep and maintain that look that they're trying to achieve there so not too big of a flaw there but again the details here are phenomenal and I'm so super excited uh, for these to come out now like I said they are a little bit on the high end um, when it comes to collectibles there so uh, each figure will cost you $270 and here in the United States, you can uh, pre-order them through Sideshow.com. Uh, 
Um, the great thing about Sideshow, if you are not aware, is that they do have monthly monthly installment plans, and you could choose what kind of plan you want, and you can pay um, monthly for these um, uh, figures. And if a figure is slated to come out much later on in the future, these figures, they look like they're planning to be released in 2023. So you could put in a deposit of, I believe it's $20, and then you can pay monthly um, closer to that release date. So they won't be asking you for um, payments probably until um, November of next year. Um, so if you just wanted to secure your line um, to reserve yourself one of these figures and then just worry about monthly payments later on, you, you can do that very easily on Sideshow. So that is the collectible of the week and that is the show for this week. So again, thank you guys for your support and thank you for tuning in, whether it be on YouTube or on podcast form. Like always, like, subscribe, um, comments, you know, leave your comments, feedback in the comment section, again, on podcast form. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, do check out the episodes every week. Um, there will be other shows that drop. And also, some of the YouTube videos that I do release, um, I do create audio versions of them and upload them onto the podcast channel. So do check them out. Make sure to follow and leave a good rating on iTunes. And... I will catch you all next time. So until then, stay cool, stay classy, and stay safe. Have a wonderful weekend, and I'll catch all of you guys next week. Bye.